Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. Any volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noach Ayala trails? And units available in Tamaria near the Kinara for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Eight or seven is in the water with the boat. Backup units needed. Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that goes behind the scenes and takes an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. I'm Rafael Posh. And I'm Dovi Mizell. We're here on an episode today. We're going to be talking about assumptions, gut feelings, and using your common sense out in the field. We have a lot of situations uh, where we can arrive at a scene and think something's happening, and it might be completely opposite. It might be something completely different that's happening. And if we do things, we, we assume we know what's going on right when we walk out or right when we get the call from dispatch, we can make mistakes in the field. And we want to try and avoid that as much as possible because, as we know, in our field, mistakes are something that can be very dangerous and eventually cost people lives. So we want to avoid that as much as possible. Um, and we're going to talk about I'm going to bring up a couple of stories that, uh, that happened to me recently uh, in the field of what uh, where assumptions really, really played a, a bad role. In that scene. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, assuming, you know what assuming does. Makes it a uh, thing of you and me. Yeah. Um, so, so especially in our role in EMS, when responding, we, we really shouldn't assume anything. And I think that uh, over the years, over 30 years of, of, of doing this, I think that fatigue is the number one threat that actually brings on assumptions and going with assumptions because uh, we've seen it all, we've experienced it all, and we assume we know it all. Right. But and these assumptions come on all levels. They come from uh, from like the first point where you walk out and dispatch gives you the call, and you assume dispatch got it right. No, you assume <laughs> dispatch has it out for you first of all. That's always true. <laughs> That's always true. Yesterday we had a wonderful moment. Um, I'm on, uh, I'm on my ambicycle. It's my, uh, my ambulance motorcycle. And I'm driving through Jerusalem uh, in the center of the city, kind of the, south of the southern part of the center of the city. It's an area I'm very familiar with. I used to live there for a while. And I got a call for uh, Mapilim Street. Uh, it's the name of the street in, in one of the central neighborhoods called Katamon. Um, I got a name of the uh, call, and I start driving over there. Um, and at, about two minutes later, I come up to the street, and I'm like, hey, where's the call? Nothing happening on the street. Everything's Okay. I got on the phone. I call back dispatch. I'm like, where's the call? They're like, oh, it's in a different city. <laughs> so the same street name, different city. Uh, so you're you're canceled. I'm like, great. Did the people there know about it? Like, So then things started happening over there. And obviously it took a little bit more time, unfortunately. But um, so yeah, so we, dispatch sometimes does have it out for you <laughs> a little bit. That can certainly happen. They usually have it out for you in the 10 minutes before the end of the shift. Yes. When your replacement didn't show up. And then you assume they have it out for you, and then you become restless, and it's very difficult, and your judgment becomes impaired um, on this call. And, and, and it's always important to remind ourselves that it's not the patient's fault um, that it was 10 minutes before the end of your shift when they got those chest pains. And it's not the patient's fault the dispatch has it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true, too. <laughs> and, and sends you that, like, you know, need, need that lift call right right at the end of the shift. Um so, 300 pounds on the fifth floor without the elevator working. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and your stair chair is broken. Uh, <laughs> so assumptions are, are something we can start right at the beginning of the call and go all the way through uh, to the end of the call until your patient's already in the hospital. I was at a training recently, and we have a, a wonderful ER doctor uh, named Dr. Yitzhak Glick. 
who's an incredible person. And he was telling us of a story that he was recently at where they brought a, a young girl into the ER and she was complaining of, of pain, uh, pain in her head, pain in her chest a little bit, stomach. They weren't sure what was going on. And they basically tried to um, tried to figure out what's going on. And, and because it was the ER and the ER is very, very busy and overcrowded, um, they turfed her. And then she was sitting outside in the ER waiting for uh, some sort of test. And she was waiting there for two hours. Finally, they got around to giving her the test. And they found that she had a, a, what's it called? Um, a pregnancy that was going wrong. It was, it was detached. Um, it didn't look like a girl was the age of doing that thing. But the assumption was made that uh, everything's fine. And she's complaining of cramps or something. And that was very much not the case. So it starts all the way at the beginning of the shift of the dispatch. And it goes all the way to the end of the shift in the hospital. Um, it's always important to know and always have someone with a family there who can always be an advocate for the person um, as, and also give you more information if the person there can't. But at the same time, we have to go and play at the top of our game, keep all the options open, and until we eliminate something um, through either taking an oral history or seeing the signs from what the person's vital checks are giving us, uh, we have to keep maintaining protocol and make sure we don't make assumptions because we just don't know what's going on with the person until we actually know. Um, yeah, I think I think that assumptions are uh, start from the moment you're dispatched. You assume you know the way. You assume you know the uh, amount of congestion and traffic and the time of day. You assume um, that if they told you it's a it's a, a person that uh, just post syncope that, that fainted or something, okay, so we'll we'll get there and and have them sign off that they don't want to go to the hospital. Uh, and, and you assume uh, that the the patient read the textbook as well. Right. And I think that's where it challenges us most when we actually get to the patient. And they didn't read the textbook. And we look at the symptoms and we assume uh, one thing when, it's, when it, essentially something totally different is happening. And I think that, that where, that's where it's very important for us as, as first responders to, to use our gut feeling as well and use our common sense and, and, and look at the greater picture all around. For example, if we're coming to, uh, to a call of a child that fell over and, 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 and is bleeding and we walk into the house and the family's like, oh, no, no, he's fine. No problem. No problem. So we assume, yeah, it's just this child was playing around and and and, and everything's OK. And dad's sending us off and, and, and canceling the call. Um, and, and that's where our assumptions can kill. That's where we need to use our gut feeling and we need to open our eyes and, 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 and try to get the bigger picture of what's going on. Are we ruling out um, uh, child abuse here? Are, is, are, are there issues here of welfare, issues that we need to be aware of? And being part of the community, we're always out there to try and see these things. So it's really, don't, like we were saying, it's, it's not to assume, but it's more than that. Right. It, it really is trying to gather information and, and, and care about that, that person that you got to and not just care about getting off and, and, and canceling the call and, and going back to, to standby. Or even that, or just assuming that everything's okay because someone tells you something's okay. Like we, When we go to a scene, we're often the only people who are going to be intercepting uh, the scenario that we're coming across, whether it's, a, like you were saying, a case of abuse um, or a different case where, you know, possibly a situation where a person got into a light minor car accident and feels okay but might be suffering an internal injury that they don't know about even or we don't know about. Um, but they assume they're okay. They don't want to have to go to the hospital. They don't want to have to take those three hours, four hours. And that's why ER. you look at the mechanism of the accident. If you exactly. see that car wrecked and he's outside of the car feeling fine, there is no way I am letting that person sign off and stay on scene. 
um, because the mechanism, the trauma that this, uh, the powers that went over this one individual, there is, we need to make sure we're ruling out everything that exists there. And we cannot assume that, that they are okay. All right, just because they're standing and talking right now and completing sentences and interacting with us doesn't mean in another three, four minutes they're going to be doing the same thing. They may very well faint, collapse, whatever the situation may be. Um, and I, I had a situation like that also recently where I had a, a woman with a pelvic injury. Uh, and I responded and I was there. It took a long time for the ambience to get there. And while we were sitting there, she was standing and talk, just sitting and talking to us um, and in her wheelchair. And then suddenly she lost consciousness. And the situation became a lot more different, developed very, very quickly and very, very dynamically. Situation went from completely stable, more or less, to uh, a person who was unconscious but breathing, and I had to completely stabilize the situation at that point. So these things happen, and they, they happen, as we all know. Uh, unfortunately, they can happen pretty often. I think another good example of, of assumptions um, that can kill are when we're uh, dispatched an MVA, um, uh, and we find a car that's wrecked or, or whatever, and... And I, me, in my experience, one of the first things that I ask, besides the initial triage that I do on the person, is was there anybody else in the car? If the person is responsive and, and looks like he's he's with it, I, I try to really make a point of, in my questioning, to really make sure, were you the only person in the car? Especially when we see a car seat. Yeah, absolutely. When we see a it's car super seat. super important. And, not, and you know what? I'll tell you something, Rafael. I don't only trust their answer. We make sure to do that, um, uh, you know, uh, look around. Look for any broken windows, broken glass. Look glass. around in the bushes, look around, you know, just to make sure. Because there have been cases where I myself have been there where the person has said, no, I was alone. I say, there is a car seat here. And he's telling me, no, 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 I was alone in the car. I'm like, okay. And I grab the flashlight and and, and while, the, while the rest of the team is, you know, backboarding him up, collaring him and, 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 and getting him ready to put on the rig, uh, we, we do the quick look around there and, and uh, in the bushes we find, we find a child. And, and, and these things are, are critical. Right. It is critical. We cannot ever assume that what we see is the only thing that is happening there. Right. There might be more to the story than what we're seeing at that moment. Um, there's the case uh, about a month ago where the patient, the volunteer showed up at the scene and police officers already giving the person a ticket for having the accident. And the volunteer saw a car seat and said, hey, where's the child? And she's at home. He says, who's with him? Nobody. Because she had returned to the car accident scene in order to pick up something that fell out of her car. And that's when the police officer found her. But had dropped the kid off at home in the meantime. Oh, wow. In order to come back. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's extreme. <laughs> that was that's very extreme. extreme. <laughs> but the kid that, was that, by himself, a that, one-year-old. That, that's really extreme. However, <laughs> there, are, there are other cases, which I'm sure we've all seen on this, uh, on, on, uh, in, in the action on the street, and that is one of, the, one of the calls that I recall just, I don't know, maybe it was about a year ago, uh, was actually during one of the missile attacks, um, going back to our previous uh, episodes, uh, was a missile attack on one of the southern cities, and it was direct hit on a, on a building. And the police and fire department went in to secure the scene, and they uh, they screened through the apartments that were hit by the missile and cleared the scene. And the ambulances actually started already you now packing up to leave. And for some reason, one of our paramedics decided to, to you know he 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 said my gut my gut feeling is not is not right it's a three in the morning missile hit on a house people were evacuated yes but something doesn't make something doesn't add up i'll just go back and do that extra 
survey of the scene, just, you know, that extra look around. And believe it or not, he gets up there and and and, and under the rubble in one of the bedrooms was a 50-year-old male um, uh, that was that was actually uh, semi-conscious um, uh, and, and, and hemorrhaging severely. He, he threw a tourniquet on and, and, and immediately obviously called back the teams, the ALS unit and everything there, and, and treated him and took him to the hospital. Had he not done that, had he assumed that 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 the policeman and the fire department that that screened the apartment was good enough for him, then then this person would not be would not be alive. Huh. Um, and I think that goes for fires. It goes for all of these incidents. Sometimes um, people overlook things. Sometimes people, you know, each one has their mission. The, the, but 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 things are missed, and it's important that we never ever 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 assume that um that 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 is exactly the final i always say to our teams make sure if the scene is secured do that extra survey of the scene look around we might be surprised yeah and like i said follow your gut if something feels off oh, yeah. it usually is um you mentioned earlier about the we'll, we'll take it back a notch you mentioned earlier about going out from the scene i'm thinking you know the way so i had an interesting story also yesterday on my shift where you had a busy shift. I had yesterday. a busy shift yesterday. I did. Um, we should plan your shifts right people. before the podcasts. We should, maybe, <laughs> dude. Every every other you know every day before the podcast. Um, I had another call where I, I went from. I was actually I just responded to a chest pain uh, uh, call, and we'd finished treating the patient. Patient was put on the ambulance and sent on their way to the hospital. Um, I was left to you know continue on my way, being that I wasn't part of the ICU ambulance. Um, and I ended up uh, getting right away as soon as I got on my motorcycle. I ended up with a, um, I ended up with another call, a couple streets away, and it's a, it's an area like I said, it's an area I know very very well. Um, and I very quickly went over to the street, and I was looking for the address, and it doesn't exist. Address just doesn't exist, and that happens occasionally where you get a wrong address. I'm thinking maybe they got the wrong address, and instead of 16, it was six. And I'm driving up and down the street with my lights flashing, trying to maybe someone's there. And I asked someone walking on the street, I said, hey, is there a number 16 on this street? He said, yes, they just built a new street or a new section of the street behind the park with the same name. And it was it was a very, very strange occurrence because I know the area well and I was unaware of that. I saw one new building that built, but there are apparently four behind the park. So luckily I was on my ambicycle and I was able to drive through the park. I didn't have to turn around and go back all the way around. It would take an extra five, six minutes. I was able to drive through the park and arrive at the building. And then at the building... Thankfully, I didn't make another assumption. I saw another, uh, I saw another motorcycle right in front of the building, first aid res- a motorcycle, and automatically I'm thinking maybe there's another responder inside responding to the call. I saw, you know what? I take all my gear, don't leave anything behind. Took my medical kit, I took my defibrillator, took my oxygen tank, and I went up to the, the apartment where the call was, and nobody there. And the first person there, four or five minutes have already passed, which in Jerusalem without having any responder there is very strange, but. I was the first one there, and I see a woman who the call came out like you were saying. People don't uh, don't know their textbooks. The call came out as uh, extreme shortness of breath. Um, it was a case of uh, low blood pressure, actually, uh, and the person was hyperventilating a little bit from anxiety. Um, didn't even need oxygen, but I instructed them how to breathe properly, breathe a little slower, calmer, take some deep breaths in, hold it for a minute, breathe back out, and. Her saturation levels were already very high, 98% beginning. Um, and they just stayed that way, but she calmed down and she was able to breathe a little easier. Uh, I took her vitals. Everything sort of checked out, except for low blood pressure. 
So I called an ambulance, uh, or the ambulance was already in the way. I checked the dispatch, time and password, and the ambulance wasn't there. I checked the dispatch, what's the story? They canceled the ambulance. No idea why they canceled the ambulance, but the ambulance had been canceled. So I called back for the ambulance again. And I was with the patient, stabilizing her for about 40 minutes by myself. So what you're saying is never assume backup is in the way. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have yep. to make sure it's Confirm. coming. <laughs> and if you don't see it after a few minutes, call back the dispatch and say, where's my ambulance? Because we know dispatch hates us. <laughs> um, so, but that's, uh, those are a lot of things that could have gone wrong had I assumed things differently. Instead, I rolled with what I saw and I went with it and, and follow protocol. I checked all the vital signs. I made sure the person was stable. I continued to check the vital signs throughout in case there was a sudden drop in blood pressure, um, which thankfully there wasn't. It was a pretty stable patient. About uh, 10 minutes in, you know, Israel, where you know, everyone's sort of a little bit of a family here. Um, about 10 minutes in, the patient starts offering me baked goods. <laughs> She's like, you got there some you cookies. Go. We're here for a while. There Have you go. Baked. We get to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, know where she was from. I got her backstory. She got my backstory. We had some time. Um, but in the meantime, she was stable, thank God, the whole way through, because uh, it could have been very different and not been that case. Um, but these are situations. You have to play at the top of your game. You have to go in and have all your you know, antenna extended, understand everything that's going on around you, look at the patient themselves. Yeah, um, I remember I remember also a while back, um, I, was, I was dispatched to a, uh, it was cardiac arrest. It was sudden cardiac arrest. Uh, I think it was of a 40 or 50-year-old male. Um, I get the address and route, uh, whatever, I don't know, two, three-minute drive. I arrive, I see a police car outside. I go, okay, this is not America. They don't send police cars to uh, to be first responders in houses here, unfortunately. Um, and I, I walk into the building, and I'm walking up to flight one, and the door is open there, and they're calling me over. And I'm like, okay, I walk right in, got all my gear with me. And then I see, like, a family dispute, and someone's hyperventilating there, and I'm like... Um, and I'm like calling in, um, okay, seems like uh, it's not a sudden cardiac arrest. I assume it was just a, a you know, bad report coming over from the police or the family or whatever. And I started treating them for, for whatever BS, pardon my uh, terminology, but, you know, family disputes. Like we're EMS responders. Some hyperventilating. So, you know, BS call. And then, and I don't know, three, four minutes in, I suddenly hear yelling from uh, from upstairs. Somebody comes running into the apartment yelling that that, that uh, there's actually a call upstairs. Turns out my 40-year-old sudden cardiac arrest was there, except three flights up in a different apartment. Wow. <laughs> and and so, of course, I immediately leave them, run upstairs, grab my defib and everything, run upstairs, connect the defibrillator, start CPR. But this took an extra three minutes that killed off of my time, or killed off of him, put it that way. Uh, thank God we, we shocked the shocked him, you know, you know, uh, epinephrine and everything. We went on ALS uh, treatment and everything, and he survived. But but I was so, like, so kill isn't the right word there. Yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, the time was killed, but the person was survived. Thing, but 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 it, it hit me. And these things are like, what are the odds? What are the odds there'll be two calls in the same building at the same time? And I just assumed. That the call as I was walking up the stairs, this is a building without an elevator. Okay, so I'm walking up the stairs, and on floor one, the door is open. The police is there, and they're calling me in. So for me, I'm like, yeah, this is my call, but it had nothing to do with the call that I actually got, and and I just automatically assumed that this was my call, and and and, and didn't add up. It had nothing to do with the initial call that I got. So and, and it was my bad, my bad. I assumed this was the call. Thank God we were able to save the person. 
and no neurological damage or anything. Was we we really uh, got lucky on this one, but it really taught me once again to you know, let's do the one and one. Let's look at what the call that we got, what we're arriving at, and what are the odds. Yes, the odds are low that there'll be two calls in the same building at the same time, but yet. Let's do that one and one, and it takes me to another thing, to another case that we all. So before I get to the other case, I'm just going to say, like, the odds are low that that happens, but I've, I've had that happen too. I've had two calls in the same building at the same time, which is yeah. it was amazing because like I was I was at a call in a building, and then I got there a little bit late, and the other volunteer had just finished treating the patient. They needed me to just put on an extra bandage, and the person was taken in the hospital, and the ambulance was like, driving around, and just as I'm turning around, another ambulance is coming behind me and stopping at the same address, and we're like. Okay, what what's happening? And it was a CPR call in oh, progress, wow. um, which we didn't know about. I what didn't are know the odds? We'll both have this around right? the same time. You see, there you go. Well, mine was my, mine was about a year ago. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I think that another case that we all uh, bump into uh, of this sort is is MVAs. You'll be called to a big, massive MVA on the highway with a general location, and you'll be driving there, and and you'll be the first one. Uh, because you know you're you, geographically you're located the nearest you're on you happen to be on the highway and you're responding and you see this accident at the side of the road and and you stop because the first thing you do you see an accident you pull over and you start assessing but you see okay there's one person a little bit of whiplash you know nothing really significant but it doesn't add up to the to the magnitude of the call and the resources that were dispatched like they're talking about uh, a, a a a a bigger accident with the number of people injured, it, 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 and it doesn't make sense, and you're like, wait a second. You know what? I'm not quite sure that this is exactly the call. There might be another accident, and, and what do you know? I don't know. What is it? I don't know. Uh, one mile up, there's the big MVA with that truck and car and and and, 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 and three trapped and, 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 and one unresponsive, and, and that's that's your original call. And, and, and you really shouldn't assume that, that this was... The call because it just didn't make sense. That's what I'm talking about, the common sense. Of course. That's the common sense. If a lot of people are calling in and calling in for a big accident to that PSAP, to that dispatch center, and you're meeting a small fender bender on the highway, the odds are this is not your call. Do not do not assume that that's your call, unless you really want to take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it is the case where sometimes it comes out as a big call and you don't have to that, 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 is, that is true that is true I'm just saying like my assume. one with don't extreme assume. extreme shortness make of breath sure, you know, call in to dispatch and say are you sure there's a location well, what was the information that you got because something uh, doesn't add up here and, 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 and those are things that we see all the time actually yeah. but in terms of that, that situation let's, let's sort of analyze that situation for a minute we have you have a small fender bender you've been called to a major car accident you see the small fender bender do you stop at that one or and and because you're making an assumption on one side, do you, do you assume that's not your call because it doesn't make sense with common I sense? W- you know, what I or would do, do is I, I would pull over, yeah. make a quick assessment. And if they don't need too see, much help, then keep see going. See that there is no yeah. life-threatening situation there or, or limb threat of situation there. And then I'll tell them, listen, I'll have backup unit come over here. I'm heading on to that to that bad accident up up further up on the road where there is actually a life-threatening situation. And, and usually, and we've done, I've done it before many times, usually they understand. They, they get it. Uh-huh. Once they see those ambulances, uh, fire engines, and, and, police cars and, and, and police cars racing, they, they understand as well. Yeah. So, so, yeah. But, but, but yeah, it's, it's a question. Do you stop? Do you not stop? But I, I say stop. Make sure that you're not missing. That goes back to our assessing the situation. 
Maybe sure. someone is outside of the car. Maybe something is worse there. You take that quick look, and then you continue going. Right. And then, of course, relay back to dispatch what you found so that they know what's going on. Yeah, so going they can on. send up a backup unit exactly. there. So they're, I mean, because they're going to need care also. They're going to need someone taking care of them as well. Um, and it's always, you know, exciting for dispatch. I don't know exciting is the right word. Uh, and I guess engaging for dispatch where they have two calls very similarly in the same area right at the same time. And then it gets confusing of who's responding to what and what's going on. And Well, that's why you have good that. dispatchers. Good dispatchers know how to, it's like a DJ. Yeah. In those cases, they're like DJing. So they uh, <laughs> they know how to, to get the right resources to each, to each of the calls. So. Um, but now it's it's, uh, it's something to really, really consider in terms of when you're going out and planning ahead. When we said earlier, it was a different episode, we talked about planning ahead and making a plan, following protocol, keeping all of the the regulations in mind, but at the same time, using your common sense, what you see at the scene, assessing your patient, not the call that you originally came out with. Look at the patient. Look at what their symptoms are. Look at their yeah, vital don't be, signs. Don't be trapped in the, in the call you got. Right. Look at the patient. Look at the symptoms um, and, and try to create that picture because sometimes dispatchers get it and a lot of other times they don't. And sometimes the people calling in say the wrong thing. Correct. But at the same time, keep that common sense going because the call you find might not be the original one you were dispatched to. So there's a lot to juggle for uh, for us first responders out there in the field. And that's why we get paid the big bucks. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's all that fun. <laughs> We do everything here volunteer. There's no money. No one's getting anything here. True, true, true. But, Especially uh, nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> but we definitely definitely feel we should lobby for, for EMS people to get more, we're more salaries at, we're, where we're they make it. We're looking at EMS people lobbying to get uh, in, infected with, with COVID so they can get vacation at home because otherwise they're stressed to the limit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Do we ever do our COVID episode yet? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. It seems like it's sticking around, so we'll be able to talk about that one next week, maybe. Yeah. Oh, especially no, no. especially while we're taping this one here. Wearing masks. Uh, the Omicron uh, <laughs> uh, wave is really taking over, and I'm sure you guys as well are looking at about 30% outage of, 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 uh, of, of personnel. But I think we'll make yeah. a good episode on that one next time. All right. We'll see you next time. That's all the time we have for today. So don't assume anything. Use your common sense and your gut feelings, and then we'll uh, speak to you next time. 